the book of Judges chapter 13. Uh, the book of Judges chapter 13. Samson was one of the last judges of Israel. Uh, God was using the judges to bring law and order to Israel, and he was one of the last. But it's interesting that God's word devotes an entire chapter to this single event. And so I want to take the time just to spot read and not take the time to read the entire chapter. I hope you can do that sometime on your own in your devotions or something, uh, but just kind of paraphrase some of it. <clears throat> but let's go to chapter 13 and verse 3. It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman. She is unnamed. All we know is she's Manoah's wife. And said unto her, Behold now, Thou art barren, and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive, and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive, and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of of the Philistines. Notice there, he will be a Nazarite, not a Nazarene. That's easily confused. Nazarene came from Nazareth. Jesus was a Nazarene, but this is talking about the Nazarite vow. Go down to verse 8. It says, Then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O my Lord, let the man of God which thou didst send come again unto us, and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. And God hearkened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again unto the woman as she sat in the field, but Manoah, her husband, was not with her. And the woman made haste and ran and shewed her husband, said unto him, Behold, the man that hath appeared unto me, that came unto me the other day. And Manoah rose and went after his wife, and came to the man, and said unto him, Art thou the man that spakest unto the woman? And he said, I am. Go down to verse 19. And so Manoah took a kid with a meat offering, and offered it upon a rock unto the Lord. And the angel did wondrously, and Manoah and his wife looked on. And it came to pass, when the flame went up toward heaven from off the altar, that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar, and Manoah and his wife looked on, on it, and fell on their faces to the ground. But the angel of the Lord did no more appear to Manoah and to his wife, than Manoah knew that he was an angel of the Lord. And when Manoah said unto his wife, We shall surely die, because we have seen God. But his wife said unto him, if the Lord were pleased to kill us, he would not have received a burnt offering and a meat offering at our hands. Neither would he have showed us all these things, nor would, as this time, would have told us such things as these. Then we're going to go to the book of Ephesians. Let me just clarify in verse 19, it says, Manoah took a kid. That doesn't mean he took a child, okay? Just want to be clear on that. Don't go away saying, oh, the Bible says he offered a child. No, it's just, it's still an animal. Uh, just, just to be clear, I knew, most of you knew that. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And verse 8. 
Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I want to talk for a few moments this morning about God has something for you to do. God has something. Would you agree? God's got something for you to do. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for your word. We know that your word is anointed. Now would you give me the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost like we've never felt before. Would you stir our hearts, Lord, to work for you, to do something more for you, for your kingdom, for the body of Christ. Father, give us a freedom and a liberty in this place to proclaim your word and the ability to rightly divide it. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to stress to you this morning, God has something for you to do. I want you to do something. It's funny at work, our, our supervisor come across the uh, the radios, or two-way radios we have, walkie-talkies, whatever you call them, and he'll always say, uh, Bob, I need a favor, I meaning I need you to do something. And being that it's a supervisor, you kind of learn you don't say no. I'd like to say I'm really too busy, but you know what? You find time to do it. And God's not necessarily like that, but he has got something for you to do. You know something? Salvation is a starting point in this Christian walk. We are saved, the Bible tells us, by grace, by faith in Jesus Christ. But you know what? That's not the end. He has got something for you to do. If that was the case, then you would come to the altar, get saved, and he would take you to heaven. Right? But he takes you here because he's got something for you to do. Now, let's go back to the story in Judges. I think it's interesting. An angel comes to Manoah's wife. We have no idea who she is, but she's listed among other women that were barren, not able to have children, as well as Sarah, as well as others. And she, like others, had prayed for a child, probably prayed for a son, and up till now she had not been able to have one. But all of a sudden an angel appears to her and says to her, Mrs. Manoah, what to call her other than that. Mrs. Manoa, you're going to have a baby. And he tells her, not supposed, she's not supposed to touch anything that's unclean. She's not supposed to drink anything, the fruit of the vine, of grapes, grape juice, uh, wine, anything, you no know, strong drink. She's not to, because this is going to be a special child. He's going to be set apart. He will be a deliverer in Israel for the Philip from the Philippines. Don't tell Brother Hughes I said that. From the Philistines. He's from the Philistines, not the Philippines. I did that here a few weeks ago, didn't I? But you know, not from you know what I mean. He will bring deliverance from the Philistines. 
And so, you know, an entire chapter is devoted to this. This one, this one incident. And so Noah's just not sure. And he prays that, God, if this is real, send that angel back to speak. And you know who the angel appears to? His wife again. And she says, angel, stay here. I've got to go get my husband. Please stay right here. She goes, gets her husband, brings him back. They want to know what, he wants to know what it's supposed to be. They're supposed to do for this child. What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to raise this child? And so that kind of paraphrases a little bit in the Jeffrey's paraphrase and just a little bit. And so here they were ready to offer an offering to this. They want to know what this angel's name is, but he wouldn't say. And so they prepare an offering and offer this offering. And then all of a sudden, with this flame of fire, the angels, the serpents around and is carried up to the And you know what? Manoah is convinced they're going to die. He's convinced. It's right there in the scripture. God's going to kill us. No man can see God and live. We are going to die. Mrs. Manoah, we're going to die. Because we just saw God. He's convinced of it. Remember the story about Moses? Moses wanted to see God. God put him in the cleft of the rock. And when he passed by, he saw his back parts. But he said, you can't, you can't see God and live. And he was convinced. It was Mrs. Manoah that stopped him and said, Hey, if we were going to die, would God have accepted our sacrifice? And point number two, we've got a child to raise. God's not going to kill us when we have got something to do. Here's the point this morning. God has got something for you. He has saved you. You come to the altar, repented of your sins. He has saved you to do something. Come on. Help me out. Oh, quiet this morning. Help me out here. He has saved you to do something. Manoah said, we're going to die. She says, no, we're not. He accepted our sacrifice. And God has something for us to do. God has got something for every one of us to do. Otherwise, you would get saved, and he would take you home. But he leaves you here because there's something for you to do. Now go to Ephesians, and Paul tells the Ephesian church, you're not saved by your works. There is no way you can earn this. There are people that believe that if I do enough good things, if I climb on my knees up to seven steps, if I do all this and walk across glass and walk across hot coals and I do this and that, I can earn it. No, you can't. You've not got enough money in your bank account. To, your, your name does not amount to anything to earn salvation. You can't. It's a gift of God. But after you're saved, you go on and do good things. He goes on to say that. And so we are told to do good works, done for God's glory, done in God's strength, and done by God's command. You are commanded to do good works. He wants you to do something. I was raised by a single mom for quite a few years. 
Tisha had gotten remarried. We started going to a little Pentecostal, an independent Pentecostal church. I was 12 years old when our pastor and elders were just here in that home church. I was just a little scrawny kid, a lot smaller than I am now. You know, I've grown up to be a lot more muscular and everything than when I was then. But I was a little 12 year old kid, and he was, Mother, Brother Culver was a big man, great big hands, big man, a corporate woman. And led me into sinner's prayer, and I gave my heart to the Lord. And you know something? From that point on, I believe God had something for me to do. I had some other plans. I had some decisions that I, I, I had decided it was a direction I wanted my life to take. I was working in the after school all day, all through the summer and, and all day on Saturdays, and I was working for this funeral home, and I was convinced I was going to be a funeral director. I was going to do that. That's what I was going to do. I enjoy helping people at one of the most miserable times. I went to a church where a lot of people in our church, a lot of young people in our church went to Bible school, and I decided then to go to Bible school. Some other people influenced me, and I, I began to think about it and pray about it, and I went, signed up for Free Gospel Bible Institute. First day of Free Gospel Bible Institute, I met with the First day, remember that, brother? Very first day of Bible school, and we've been friends for almost 40 years. I could tell you're impressed. But you know what? That's not my sermon. But you know what? I went through three years of Bible school. I prayed when I, I was approached about going to the mission field. I was approached about staying at the Bible school. And it was on the platform at Free Gospel Bible Institute. Folks, I prayed enough. And I decided to stay there for another year and work as a gopher. Go for this. Go for that. Go for groceries. Go for all the stuff that the Bible school needed. You know, I wasn't the one privileged to go on outside ministry all the time because I felt Brother Beam needed me to help run the Bible school on weekends. So I was there. Brother Hughes got to go all the time, big name preacher, and I had to stay there because they needed me to help. I would just say that jokingly, but I, you know what? There were people that stood against me. But you know what? All through that, I felt like God had something for me to do. I prayed more than other people that said you're making a mistake. I knew I prayed it through. I got up from the altar and I went and told somebody, I said, I know this is what God wants me to do. From there, I felt led. My, my wife and I started dating. She wasn't my wife then. It was Kathy Carter. She was a secretary at the Bible school. We started dating and decided to get married. And we went to back to my home church and worked years. And then I felt that stirring. God wanted me to do something. I went on at a door open for me to be a youth pastor, and I really felt it was God's leading, and I enjoyed it. We have at Assembly God Church in Hancock, Maryland, and I liked it. I felt like I was really doing something, but things happened, and it became clear it was time to leave. It was time to move on. I enjoyed it. There were times we still go back and we're invited back. And it's like going home again. It was just, I enjoyed being there. I was comfortable there. But God says a way of stirring the nest and saying, you know what? It's time to move on. I sent my resume to Lighthouse Assembly of God in Paw. 
I was asked by a pastor that used to pastor there. They were he was kind of taking them under the wing, helping them find a pastor, and uh, you know, so they they never called me. But my resume was given to another church. I didn't apply at that church. They was my resume, but I never sent my resume to the Augusta Assembly. I never did. They somehow was passed from one board member to another. That pastor at that church took the Lighthouse Assembly. This church came open. I went there. I was the first candidate. There were some people wanted to make it a horse race, and that people to come try out, and I tried out, they voted, I got it the first thing. I didn't get 100% of the vote, and then I had to decide whether I wanted them as much as they wanted me. But you know what? I felt it was God's leading, Sister Shoemaker. You know what it's like being in the ministry, and you felt like God's opened this door for a purpose. We were there for two and a half years. I was there because I felt God wanted me to do something. After a while, when you couldn't get people to even help and they decided they want a Christian school. But I can't get people here to scrub the toilets. And they want a Christian school. Now I could see where this is going. And I, you know what? They felt that wrestling in my heart. It's time to move on. But no doors opened. What am I going to do? I can't just sit back. But you know what? I'll get it. And I resigned that church. Felt it was time. They say a good time to leave is when there's people and there's money. And the church had both. They were going through some remodeling. They had money in the account. I was accused of draining the funds, and they had money. The church had money in their account. But I knew it was time to leave, folks. I turned in my resignation. We moved a trailer to another piece of property and all that. And I said, God, I'll go where you open the doors. I'll go. And then Presbyterians and the Methodists and the Baptists, and they all started calling me. And I don't know why. I didn't have business cards. I didn't ask for a service. I'd never gone any place calling or calling a pastor saying, can you use me? I need to have to worship such and such a Sunday. I don't have a place to preach. Could you? I've never done that. I've gone where God's opened the doors. And you know why? Because God has something for me to do. And I believe God saw ahead into the future and saw there's going to be a group of people and they're going to call it Safe Haven Tabernacle and they're going to need a pastor and Bob Jeffries is going to have something to do. You know what? I believe God works that way. And he saved you to do something. Now I realize not all of us can pastor. So who could sit in the pews? All of us were the pastors. If all of us were sitting up here, who's going to sit back there to preach to? Not all everybody can teach a Sunday school class. Not everybody can get up and sing. Thank God I can't play the piano like Cassandra, but she can. There's a work for her to do. There's a work for you to do. There is something God wants you to do. Manoah said, God's going to kill us. This is Manoah said, no, he won't. He accepted our sacrifice. And he's got something for us to do. He's not going to save you and kill you, take you to heaven. He's going to leave you here because there's something for you to do. You know how many churches are just a handful of people? Big churches. There are big churches for a handful of people. Well, I thank God we got, we call it a cleaning day, and I get most everybody here. We call it a live nativity, and I got almost everybody here. Love your neighbor day, and there's almost everybody here. I know work interferes, work interferes with everything. Work interferes with life. But you know what? You have to work. I'm 
understand that. But God has something for you to do. If it means passing out tracts, if it means being on your knees praying for the church, praying for the services, if it's singing and playing an instrument, playing the piano, playing the drums, and whatever it is, you know what? There is something you can do for God. It's not going to earn you a place in heaven. You're going to do it because you are saved, not in order to be saved. You want to do good things because you are saved. Done for God's glory. Done in God's strength. Done by God's command. There is something for you to do. You know, God's not going to expect you to do something you can't do. If it's physically impossible, you can't. You know what? I, I, I can't play the piano this morning. I can't. Unless it was a miracle from God, God told me to sit down at the piano bench and he was going to give me that talent. I, I can't. You wouldn't want to hear me play the piano. I can't do it. I, I might be able to play chopsticks, but you can't sing to that. I don't have that talent, but I'm glad we have people that are blessed with that. I get up here. I'm not really a talented singer. I bellow it out because I, I just do. I, I just do to, to lead songs. To, to lead a, 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 one guy mentioned it at the live nativity that was, came and said, I didn't know you'd say, I can't either. I didn't know I could either. But I'm not a good singer. But I'll bellow it out and I try to get it on key or whatever. To try. I just because it's part of the ministry. I, I, I try to. But I'm not a quality singer. But you know what? If God calls you to do something, he's going to enable you. He will give you the talents. He will equip you for what you're called to do. And you know what? This this church has opportunities for you to do something for God. You know that? Come on. What's done for Christ will last. Words will be of laying up treasures on the other side more and more. And that's by doing good works. Not saved by your works. But you're saved. And once you're saved, God has something for you to do. Manoah said, God's going to kill us. God's going to kill us. We've seen God. We've seen him go up in the fire. We've seen him. And this is Manoah and all of her wisdoms. No, they wouldn't have accepted our sacrifice. And he's got something for us to do. God has something for you to do. Sandra, if you would come back to the piano, please. Jesus, use me, and oh, Lord, don't refuse me. Surely there's a work that I can do. What are you doing for heaven's sake? <laughs> you know, what are you doing for the kingdom of God? You're on the sidelines someplace just watching everybody. You know, there are some people that make things happen. There are some people that watch things happen. Some people don't know what's happening. You know, God wants you to make something happen. God wants you to do something for the kingdom of God. There is something that he's blessed you with talent. Some people are five talent people. Some people are three talent or talent or two. And you know what? Everybody's blessed with at least one talent that you can use for the kingdom of God. Would you stand with me? Jesus, use me. Oh, Lord, don't refuse me. Surely there's a work I can do. Would you make it your prayer?